Hello, everybody. Welcome to Health Chatter. Today's episode is on unintentional firearm deaths for children, unfortunately, between the ages of of birth and and 17. We've got two great guests with us today. We'll get to them in just a moment. I'd like to thank our great crew. Um, our research crew includes Maddie Levine-Wolf, Aaron Collins, DeAndra Howard, and Sheridan Nygaard. Sheridan also provides us with some great marketing skills, so thank you to all of you. Also, I'd like to thank Matthew Campbell, who's our production great assistant who gets these shows out to you, the listening audience in perfect form, along with some great music. So thank you to Matthew as well. And then of course, there's Clarence Jones, who's my colleague and co-host of the show, who is uh, down in Memphis right now in, um, in the airport. So thanks for working it out so that you can still be on the show today, Clarence. It's always great to have your voice. Finally, I'd like to thank Human Partnership, who is our sponsor for these, these shows. It's a great community health organization. We recommend that you check them out at humanpartnership.org along with our website as well, which is healthchatterpodcast.com. So today, um, a sad topic, but yet I'm glad that we're talking about it because just merely talking about it and bringing it to you, the listening audience, will heighten our awareness about this, this topic of unintentional firearm desk. We have great two great guests. I'll introduce one and then um, I'll let Tom introduce another guest who's a colleague of his. I'd known Tom Cocky, Dr. Tom Cocky, we figured for close to 40 years. Tom is, is, a, is a, an absolutely wonderful colleague, um, a true clinical um, expert in the area of cardiology, but also um, a wonderful colleague in the um, in the public health arena. I can't really begin to tell you how many um, arenas uh, Tom has been involved with in the public health arena, and has really been a strong voice connecting the uh, the public health side of all these different issues that we deal with um, with the medical aspects. It's been a pleasure. Truly a pleasure having him as a colleague, and we we still connect to this day. So, Tom, thanks, many thanks for uh, for being on our show today. Um, Tom, I'll let you introduce Anthony. Okay, thanks, thanks, Dan. Um, uh, Anthony B uh, Butler is a colleague of mine. Uh, we both serve on the Protect Minnesota board. Um, Anthony's chair of the. Uh, uh, C3 board. Uh, and Protect Minnesota is the only statewide, exclusively Minnesota uh, gun safety, uh, firearm safety advocacy group. We do uh, uh, collaborate with uh, groups like Moms Demand Action, uh, Giffords, uh, etc. Anthony was born in Harlem, uh, in New York City, and although living with both parents, he was always in trouble as an adolescent. 
He attended five different high schools in the greater NYC area before dropping out at age 17 and getting his GED. Growing up, Anthony uh, knew the value of hard work. The day after his eighth grade graduation, he began working in McDonald's with his father on the weekends and always held a job uh, throughout high school and beyond. In the summer of 2008, uh, I think he was about 20 at the time, he was the victim of a shooting that resulted in his loss of vision. After problems with his family and nowhere else to turn, Anthony moved into a homeless shelter. While residing in the shelter, Anthony was introduced to a mentor that he, whom he credits uh, with changing the entire trajectory of his life. Uh, he enrolled in the new school where he received his Bachelor of Fine Arts before attending New York University and obtaining his Master in Social Work in 2016. Since graduating, He's had a number of positions in the workforce, such as social worker uh, for young men of color at Kings County District Attorney's Office in Brooklyn. Uh, he's been a recovery specialist with community access. Uh, and uh, after leaving that program, he relocated here to Minneapolis with his girlfriend, where he works as a therapist for a, offenders of sex crimes. When he's not working, he participates in multi-sport endurance competitions which has afforded him the opportunity to travel to over six countries and half the United States. As a social worker, Anthony strives to be an advocate for the underserved and help people navigate the many hardships one may endure on a daily basis. And as I mentioned, I know Anthony because we both sit on the board of Protect Minnesota, where he is the current chair. So thank you very much, Anthony, for uh, joining me on this podcast. Uh, thank you, Tom. Anthony, it's great. Thank Great you, thank to have you. And I'm, I'm giving you a, a virtual hug. So there you go. <laughs> so thanks for being on our show today. So let's talk about this, this issue of unintentional firearm deaths. What I thought I would do is, you know, our, our illustrious research gang has put together some uh, statistics. And then I thought uh, maybe Tom and Anthony, you can um, respond to this. So um, it's a leading cause of death, unintentional injuries, leading cause of death among U.S. children and adolescents from, again, from birth to 17 years. And firearms are a leading injury method, which is the sad part of all of this. In 2021, a couple of years ago now, approximately 30 million children lived in homes with firearms 4.6 million in households reporting storing firearms loaded and unlocked. In other words, ready to, to, to be fired. Um, when, we, when we kind of break this down a little bit by age and sex and, and race, a majority of the deaths occurring among boys, about 83.1%. And the highest age range is in ages 11 to 15, non-Hispanic, Black, or African-American amount to close to 40% of the unintentional deaths. Um, and, you know, I can go on. So let's just start there. Let's talk about the problem. So, Tom, you want to start us out? Yeah, sure. And uh, I personally have been affected when uh, about 40 years ago, when my daughter was a, a student at J.J. Hill, 
one of her classmates didn't show up for school that day because a three-year-old had found a pistol in the a, a couch and uh, you don't have to uh, complete the sentence. You know what happened. Yeah. And uh, then when I was in practice over at Riverside, uh, just around the corner, uh, again, uh, somebody, a kid about three, found a pistol in a wastebasket where it had been, quote, secreted um, and uh, shot his brother and killed him. And so a uh, couple of take homes. Um, no, there's no such thing as a hidden gun. Uh, you may think if you have a, a firearm in your home, you may think that it's hidden uh, from uh, uh, your kids, but it's more likely to be hidden from you because you've forgotten about it than your kids. Your kids know everything. I mean, if they can find Christmas presents, they know where the guns are. Um, and uh, because 50% of homes have a firearm in them, uh, when your kids go over to play, um, there's a, a there's a fair chance that there's a unlocked, loaded firearm in that house. And so, uh, my suggestion is before a play date, you call. You know, you're setting up a play date. Uh, you, your Timmy is going to go play over at Johnny's, so you call Johnny's mom and say, uh, "Are the firearms in your home locked and unloaded with ammo also locked and stored separately?" Okay, so uh, uh, Johnny's mom says. Well, we don't have firearms. I said, great, perfect. Um, she says, yeah, they're all locked and uh, put away. And says, so you say, I'm really glad about that. And uh, if she says, no, we, we have one in the bedside table for protection. I say, well, maybe uh, let's have Johnny come over here. I'm very uncomfortable with uh, having my child in a home where there's a unlocked firearm. Okay. Now, um, the uh, uh, some people say, well, they can't they can't afford a, 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 a biometric safe. Well, I just looked online. You can buy a biometric safe for 70 bucks. And so that's what is that? Ten cups of coffee at uh, Starbucks. You know, yeah. If yeah. you can afford a pistol, you can afford a biometric safe. And um, I'm going to I'm going to stop there for a moment and turn it over to Anthony. Uh, uh, for his uh, reflections, and we can uh, turn back for some other ideas I have about uh, increasing uh, the safety of your children in a uh, gun culture, which is the United States. Anthony, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, um, I mean, you, you make very uh, good points. I mean, I, speaking to you the other day when you you brought that up about going to people's houses, it, it made me think, and I asked my wife, like, man, like we have to make sure we ask some of these questions, you know, uh, coming up, I never even thought about these things, but so that's why I'm happy. I get to speak to people like you about um, topics like these, because it, it helps me um, expand on, on some of the things that I may have never thought of. Um, but getting back to you, and, and this is why like organizations like Protect Minnesota, the advocacy groups are important to um, help with resources like this, because although, um, you know, one may think $70 is cheap. Um, I, I don't know how many, how many households could actually afford to, buy like $70 how much disposable income does a person have every week to where they could um get a biometric safe right because uh you know some people may not even get their guns legally right so even though they think like if you could afford a pistol you could afford a safe but how did they even get their gun did they just get it from like some kind of like bartering system like traded drugs for a gun you know trade a little bit of uh marijuana or some other kind of drug for a gun or some other service for a gun. So that's that's the question too, right? Because some of these guns aren't even legal. 
you know? And then um, we have to ask ourselves too, like, yeah, we want to ask somebody else about um if they have guns inside their house, but we don't even know if their gun is legal. So would they even tell us if they have guns in their houses? So that's another barrier to um to keeping um our children safe too, right? So it's about how can we really trust one another and um have open dialogues about guns? Because imagine trying to talk to people about guns. We're 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 afraid to even ask other people about talk about like money and finances. So talking about guns, that could be really hard in certain households, especially like um, urban households. So, yeah. So, you know, Tom, let me, let me, you know, you bring up an interesting um, scenario. So let's just take a parent who's got a young kid and, and their young child is, is going to go, wants to go play with a friend. Have we gotten to the point where parents need to ask the other parent if you have a gun in the house is it stored properly i mean do we are we at that point or do we just go with trust i guess so what what's your sense on that where are we in the prevention arena the safety arena well the data are clear there we're there we're We're there there. yeah Um, now um anthony brought up an excellent point of course um you know, I come from a white middle class background where, you know, and right, you know, for decades, $70 has been uh, not very much to me. But uh, firearm locks free. If you live in St. Paul, uh, you can get a fire free firearm lock from the St. Paul Police Department or in Ramsey County. Uh, they also have uh, the gun safety initiative website. Um, and then Minnesota, Minnesota Department of Safety will also provide them. And we're working with doctors' offices to, you know, basically they have a bowl of gun locks, uh, trigger locks uh, out on the desk next to the bowl of condoms. And yeah, so, yeah. You, know, you just pick them up. But Anthony's absolutely right that that it may have been barter, or um, that I shouldn't uh, assume that uh, seventy dollars, uh, particularly in this economy, is. Uh, is sort of uh, optional, optional money. Well, you know, so are, that, are we seeing this in other states as well? Okay. That you know that you know gun locks are being made available. Are you aware of other states? Yeah. Yep, California, Colorado, um, even down in Louisiana, the the they they have campaigns. The docs have campaigns to to offer Great. gun locks. Yeah. Great, Clarence. Yeah. Well, Doctor Cock, I just want to tell you this. I think we're at the point where, as a parent, you got to ask your kids uh, questions. You also ask those other parents questions because it's not only just guns, it's also substance abuse. It's also mm-hmm. other kinds of things that are going on in homes. And so are we at that place where we have to be, as parents, more protected? The answer is totally yes, because we're starting to see these things. I was also going to say that, you know, even in, in uh, while this is being uh, being uh, 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 being done in Minnesota, we recently had a series of young people who were killed or hurt by guns in, in homes. And so we have to have this conversation. And so, um, you know, we're at different places, but at the same time, it is an important issue that's impacting all of us. And so I, I, I'm just glad that we're able to enter into the conversation, mm-hmm. regardless, of, regardless of, our, of, our, of our lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anthony? No, I agree. And um, I agree that we're there with the conversation. I remember a few weeks ago, I mean, my, my daughter uh, just turned two, you know, but a few weeks ago we were at um, another couple's house and um, they were both um, 
in the army, you know, and um, she just mentioned out loud, like the the woman who house we went to just mentioned out loud, like, oh, all my husband does on the weekends is uh go shooting and then come back home, you know, and automatically I thought like, oh, I don't, <laughs> that 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 was a trigger for me, you know. So when we left, I'm talking to my wife like, I don't know if we can <laughs> we can remain friends with them because I don't know if uh, I don't know if I want to have a conversation with them about their gun storage. I don't even know how to have that conversation, you know. So um, I would also like to think. And I'll hear from you guys about like how how do we even engage in that conversation? No matter what race they are, like how how do I engage in that conversation with with someone else about like yeah? How... Well, that's a great question, Anthony. And what we're learning from the docs is that you don't ask, do you have guns? Mm-hmm. And you you start out by asking, are your guns stored safely? And um, so that gets around the Second Amendment thing, or the you know like. Why are you asking me if I have guns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's right. are you going to start start safely? And and I think you know, uh, folks in the military, I um, or ex-military may, I mean, they've they've had some training, and and I'm going to offer something. I think that I well, I had gun safety training when I was in Boy Scouts. And also, we used to hunt with a, a, a classmate of my father's who had been in the military in World War II, and he was a stickler for safety. And and I think, um, like I was, I was talking to one of the, one of the chaps who was in the St. Paul uh, Violence Interrupters. He said um, the way I learned, you know, how to shoot a gun was on Nintendo. You know, and so there's there's no real. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the reality of what happens when somebody's struck by a bullet is is not known. So I would suggest sending as your uh, child, if they're not in Boy Scouts or, you know, sending them to a gun safety um, program. Now, outstate, uh, the uh, Department of Natural Resources hosts these. Uh, here in the Twin Cities, there's a chap, um, he, he operates a, a, a a company called Protection Far Left of Center. And I haven't been there, but uh, if you look at his website, what he talks about is very realistic. He's not a, you know, a carry and kill guy, but he he's, he's teaches respect for guns. The other the other opportunity, if you want, is have, have your child participate in the Minnesota uh, Clay Target Association. I mean, you know, competitive trap shooting. And uh, because their first, their first order is safety and and uh, respecting what you you know what that firearm can do um, in a yeah, moment. And I'm I'm sure that there are are analogous groups, you know, in um, across across the country. At least I hope. You know, let me let me ask this question. You know, it's like I grew up. I'm sure most of us did with um, squirt guns. Okay, or just any play type of of guns. Have we also gotten to the point from a prevention standpoint that that should be taboo with kids growing up? Absolutely. I would absolutely not buy a kid a replica gun. A now, replica you know, gun. like a like a you know one that shoots ping pong balls. Fine, you know, and nobody's going to mistake that. But a replica gun can get your child killed because um, they pull it out. And it happened in, I think, Cincinnati. It, it mm-hmm. was either Cleveland or Cincinnati. Kids on a swing, has a replica gun, 
the sheriff uh, or a police officer comes roaring up, uh, says, drop it. And three, six, you know, three seconds later or 10 seconds later, fills them full of uh, uh, lead. And, yeah. You know, and, and so I think, you know, and, and that's the other thing. I would not carry myself personally a gun because you read the newspaper and all the dumb things people do with their guns in the heat of the moment. Anthony, yeah. do you have an opinion about that? No, um, I, I got. Let me let me say this real quick. I, I yeah. when I was growing up, my father would not let me have a gun. That 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 was just it was just not not something that he would do. I don't know what his reasonings for it was, but that's happened. But I think you you made a good point. We have become so desensitized with killing now with Nintendo and these other these other games that people think that you know when you you know when you're doing this, they don't realize the impact of a game versus a real a real uh, 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 instrument uh, that person if you shoot them they're not going to get back up again on that game they will so you kind of like well if I shoot them you know they'll jump back up but that's not happening or I can just shoot them in the leg and that you know and, and I think that there's a there, as, as you just said there's a desensitizing that we've done that we need to really have some conversations about and the reality is this uh, the other thing I want to make real quick is that a lot of people uh, don't want to bring up topics because they don't want to lose their friends. You know, you know, they're just certain, you know, everybody's so sensitive and, and politically correct. And, you know, so you can't really talk about a lot of things. Uh, but yet those things that, that you don't talk about are the things that's hurting you and your family or could potentially hurt you and your family. And so you would rather uh, risk saving a relationship versus sometimes saving your own family. And I, I mean, so that's what health chatters about. I'm, I'm, I know I'm on, I know I'm on the limb here, but that's how I feel. Yeah, you know, Anthony, I've got a question for you. Um, you know, you obviously went through um, an unfortunate event where where you were you were shot and you lost your eyesight. Have you ever reflected upon the idea of okay, I'm involved in this subject? because what has happened to me, okay? On the other hand, um, have you ever thought about, would you have gotten involved in it if some if an event had not happened to you from a prevention standpoint? Um, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, I, I think growing up, I, I couldn't see past a certain point, right? Like not, not, not in a literal sense, but like I, I couldn't yeah. think I was, I couldn't think to when I was 21. You know what yeah. I mean? I, got, I was 21 years old. I was 20 years old. I got shot three months before my 21st birthday. You know, so growing up, I knew, I knew one day I would get shot. I knew there was a high chance of me getting shot. I, I remember even after me getting shot, I went to like my old neighborhood one day and there was five of us just hanging out. And the common thing that all of us had with, with one another was all of us got shot within a one block radius of where we were standing that wow. day. Wow. You know what I mean? I don't know if a lot of people can even say that. You know what I mean? Right, a lot right. When people like us get together in my communities, it's it's primarily because of trauma, right? Somebody dying. Um, and you know, a lot of times that's because one of our friends is getting murdered, right? Or something else that affects like, you know, in some kind of way. So to answer your question, I I I can't say I can't say no, I can't say yes. I know um at that time I was starting to like want to want to go want to go to school and like uh you know, get out of the streets and, and make better of myself. I don't know what that would have 
what that would have looked like, you know, um, at that age, probably not. But, you know, who knows when I was 40 or 50, would I have wanted to start doing acts of service and giving back in some sort of way? I would I would like to hope I, I can say yes, but I can't even honestly say yes, because um, yeah. That time it's just self-preservation right it's self-preservation by any means you know whether that's carrying a gun whether that's something whatever it is I, I have to get my next meal that's that's how i was wired you know so I, I can't say i can't say yes with confidence yeah um and you know tom i'm sure we can we can reflect on this that um you know many of the pub the major public health um problems that that we're facing it's it's not unusual that people get involved with them based on um, experience that they've had one way or the other. And, um, you know, like, for instance, I think of you, Tom, you know, in the cardiology field and um, your work many years ago uh, on smoke-free. And, and you, you understood the connection between, um, you know, cardiac events and, and smoking. So I guess, you know, it's not unusual that people get involved based on being involved in an event or what have you. Does that seem reasonable to you as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Makes things salient to people. Yeah. 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 All right. So let, let's talk about, okay, what is it really? What is it that um, brings the issue of unintentional firearm deaths to a heightened level, for instance, in the African-American community. What is it? What, what, why are they like X number of percentage points above the other groups of people? Is there any, any thought on that? I think, I think, Stan, this is Clarence. I, I think that part of uh, what we have to acknowledge is that there are some systemic things that are happening in this country there's a systemic pressures that are being applied to certain groups of people. There are certain kind of uh, unrealistic expectations that are placed on people. And, and people are, are, you know, somebody uses the term traumatized. And I, I try not to get too far into that, that, that lane, but, but that's, the, that's the reality. People are underneath pressure. And so we live in a, when I was growing up, we lived in a John Wayne kind of society too. Where if you're going to handle your problems, you know, you beat them up or you shoot them or whatever that kind of thing. I mean, so you can develop a, a certain kind of whether it's a, a kind of unknown or it's kind of suppressed uh, uh, feeling about about certain kinds of things. And that's how you handle how you handle your problems. And so I think that part of what's happening is that uh, based on what you see on TV, based on how people present things based on you know the rap based on the you know the, the 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 media i mean there is a certain kind of image that's placed on um people so that they fortunately um their their life is is uh, uh, uh imitating art yeah it's not that art imitates life you know what i mean you know, I, so I, now they, I they think they, of it as a I, you know i hope that other population groups do not get a false sense of security. In other words, or safety. In other words, you know, I, if if my kids are white, okay, well, not a problem. They're safe. But think about I, that, Sam. Think about that. Think about that. What you just said. Or safer. Yeah. No. 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 Think about what you just said. It. It. it isn't it sad that that we know that there are certain pressures applied to certain groups that may not necessarily be applied to other groups. 
Absolutely. You know, and, 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 and the hope, and is, the hope is that the hope is that we don't let our group become affected like that group. And that's sad because all of us should have a sense of safety. All of us should have a sense of, of protection. But that's not true in this country. You know, and so I think that those are the kinds of things that we have to be honest about as we start talking about this issue of why do we have so many unlocked guns? Why do we have so many guns? You know, why do why are our children impacted by this? What what do we as parents say about about these issues? And then how do we how do we effectively message so that other people can can take more uh, safety measures mm -hmm. in order to address the issue? Can I can I can I say something? Yeah, absolutely. I think our society has not been taught to to really um, appreciate and embrace what prevention is. As a society, right, the medicine is always in the candy, right? We don't treat people before they get sick. You know, um, we treat people when they are sick, right? So what we have to really, like, come to a universal kind of understanding of what is safety you know because in my in my household or growing up or probably like for lack of a better term anyone right is like you know if if i put my gun up in the closet behind this shoe box it's safe because my kid can't reach it but they don't think about oh would that kid get a step stool and get curious because they just want to see what's up there right they don't think about that right and we're not taught to think like that as a society we're taught to think about things when it actually happens so like me growing up in the inner city, you know what I mean? I had We had metal detectors going to my school, all the way down to, to our bottom. We had to take our shoes off, we had to clap our boots, and we had to walk through the metal detectors every single morning. So we had to get to school like an hour, a half an hour early to walk through metal detectors in order, us, in order for us to get to class on time. Yeah. So when these school shootings happen in these suburban neighborhoods, I'm like, did I have metal detectors? Like, oh, that's, that's what we think, but they don't because what people think, right? Because they're white or because they're in an affluent neighborhood, they're safe. They don't have to worry about guns. But right. for us, we get wanded. We have metal detectors every day, which, which, hey, it kept us safe and I'm happy. But just look, just look at that. They took for granted their safety, but they they don't know that they actually saved our lives <laughs> by also stereotyping us. They, 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 they saved our lives, but they didn't do the same thing back home. And now it's impacting them the most. Yeah, so, you make a great point. Yeah, so so you know we we have to we have to really focus on prevention as a society. We have to understand that prevention is worth investing in. You know, whether it's insurance companies, whoever it is, we have to really focus on prevention. You know, so yeah. you know, Tom, you've been involved in the prevention arena. I mean, mm -hmm. for uh, on many many public health issues. Um, so reflect on on what Anthony just said. You know, it's like. You know, you and I know prevention is, is a tough is a tough game. It really is. And um, I've often said that prevention isn't as um, sexy as as intervention. Okay, um, and and so what, what's your sense for these years? Yeah, I mean, Anthony's absolutely right, and 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 one of the problems is that the um, NRA. Uh, funded by the gun uh, manufacturers, the firearm manufacturers, has uh, convinced uh, the American public that they're safer with a gun than without one. It, and that's only that's only about the last twenty years, but it is now true. And and during COVID, uh, I mean, COVID was great for um, gun sales, um, and and 
uh, you know, a, a, a pistol for the average American is really, it's more a talisman than a safety device because they, they that the data are clear. You have a, you have a firearm in your household. You're the, the life expectancy of everyone that lives in that household is shorter than if you did not have, you know, it, it may be, uh, like a case in, when I lived in Rochester where the granddaughter came home late, uh, despite the fact that the grandparents said, oh, if somebody tries to break in, we're going to lock ourselves in the bedroom and call the police. They didn't. They fired through the back door, hitting uh, the uh, their granddaughter in the stomach. She lived, but may have ended up with a colostomy for the rest of her life. Um, I think one of the, you know, we know that volunteerism being a volunteer improves uh, happiness, eudaimonic well-being. And I think for people who have the time to, to, to mentor young men in particular, to give them uh, uh, both, like Anthony talked about his mentor that changed his life. Mentoring changed, uh, having mentors for me changed my life. Um, and, and teaching, uh, identifying for young men, what they want to do, giving them opportunity, and then also helping helping them think through what what does a what does a fire carrying do for me? Because for in 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 many of our subcultures in the states, it's you have to carry, and and like they talked about, it's it's really an urban arms race. You know, okay, the other guy's got a bump stock, I need a bump stock, you know, that kind of stuff. They got a high you know high capacity magazine, I need a high capacity magazine, and it's. Um, it, it doesn't make anybody safer. It makes everybody unsafer, but it's, it's teaching and it's teaching within the relevance, within the context and by somebody who is respected, uh, by that, that individual. And I think it's, it's creating opportunity. Um, but it, you're right. It's, it's absolutely a challenge because Americans, you know, and as a result of, of, of advertising, by uh, sponsored by the gun gun industry and uh, through the NRA and others, um, I have come to believe that that having a pistol, having a firearm, is makes them safer. And they have this image that oh, I'll just I'll just shoot him. But you have to, you know, say I I have a friend who's um, he carries a pistol in his car because uh, he says, well, maybe maybe I get in a road rage. Well, boy, you get that pistol out. You better be prepared to shoot because if the other guy has a pistol, he's going to shoot you. And so you have to shoot first. But what if what if that what you think is a pistol is a cell phone? You know, and you shoot him. You're you're in deep doo doo or yeah. like in Rochester uh, last couple of years, a, um, a, a high school coach got in a fender bender with some. Um, the Somali kids and uh, shot and killed one of them. Uh, uh, not, not, not a good, not a good scenario for that chap. He's going to spend some time reflecting on that uh, with limited freedom. And, um, you know, even if you shoot somebody by accident or, you know, are you prepared to do that? And so this whole idea of, of thinking through, you know, what, what, what are the next five steps that are going to happen uh, if if I shoot somebody in a lot of times, so, you're going to spend some time in Oak Park Heights. 
So Tom, what about the idea of um, something, you know, I, I'm just trying to think creatively here as far as prevention is concerned, community conversations around safety, frankly, maybe in general, that, you know, so in other words, it wouldn't be just focused on, on gun safety, which might just keep people away just by the mere title, but safety overall. And then within that conversation, you included um, gun safety as, as, as one example of, of things that we should be doing to make all of us safer. Does that, is that even feasible? I think so. Um certainly probably traffic safety you know in terms of community burden yeah um, uh, traffic safety <laughs> talk about safety is jogging at night or walking at night every it seems like every every morning i read about somebody who's been killed while walking on a road yeah. and my wife and i walk our dogs and people are they're out jogging in black walking but you can't see them you know and this whole belief that if they if I can see them, they can see me. Yeah. Dead wrong. And you're going to be dead because you're yeah. wrong. You know, yeah. Yeah. but um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, and we, we need to practice those conversations about, um, you know, that it's okay to ask about, you know, are your firearms locked up? It just, you know, assuming, you know, and then if they say, well, we don't have them, that's, you know, I'm glad. And, you know, then being pre prepared to do something, but um yeah, we, we having those conversations. I don't know if they'd play or not, but um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Anthony, and, Anthony, what do you think about that? Community conversations around um, a generalized topic of safety that would include gun safety, so that people wouldn't necessarily be, um, you know, turned off by the subject of just gun safety, but just generalized safety. It's you know, I, I think it's hard in certain areas. And I think um, why I could perceive it being hard in like my community is because we're impacted by gun violence so much that it may be perceived as now you're just teaching my kid how to use a gun. Like, I yeah. don't want to, you know what I mean? And and, and, that, and that's the disconnect. I think it really takes for um people who could really um identify right with these intersecting identities that can really come in here and, and and really speak to people about hey we need to if we're, some people are going to do it anyway you know i i used to always say this to, to like my mom you know um when i was growing up i used to i used to smoke weed i used to smoke marijuana a lot you know so a lot of the times when i when i got arrested it's because smoking weed you know but i always told my mom listen i'm gonna smoke anyway why don't you just let me do it in the house but she couldn't get past it. Like, hey, listen, it's illegal. And I, and I got it. It's illegal. And I understand why she did it. But I'm like, mom, I, I blamed her, which is pretty selfish of me. But it was like, hey, it's also a way for me to remain safe. I mean, of course, yeah. we couldn't we couldn't come to the um come to terms on that. But now that the, the, the conversation is changing about marijuana like in different states, that, that could be an option for, for parents, right? It, it couldn't be an option for me before in New York, but now it could be an option for parents, depending on where you live. So, um, that's what parents need to understand what safety actually looks like. like. Like we said before, what does safety look like for you? All right, your kid is probably going to get a gun anyway, whether it be illegally, without your permission, whatever. Because how many how many people in the house, I, I know my parents didn't know if I had a gun in the house. You know, how many kids are out here? Their parents don't even know if they have a gun because they're trying yeah. to respect 
privacy. They're not going in their room. They don't want to ruffle any feathers. But we're not being we're not being honest with the people that that love us the most. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it, it's going to take a lot of uh, it's going to take a lot of advocacy work and a lot of people, like I said, that can, that identify with these intersecting identities to say, hey, listen, I want to teach you. And, uh, and I want to teach you and I want to teach your kid how to be safe with guns. I need to teach you how to teach your kids how to be safe with a gun. Maybe yeah. it's about working with the yeah. with the right going into these schools, teaching the educators how to talk to their how to talk to the to the to the parents about gun safety and getting the, the, the parents to go to classes so they could they could teach their kids themselves and give them an introduction and then bring them out of the house. You know, so it, it, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to take a lot of work, but I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, and and you and you can, and you and you truly understand it. Yeah, Tom, go. Yeah, so um, I can tell you the anxieties out there. So we have a paper in review right now, based on three different national surveys about anxiety about gun violence, and we plugged it into the global burden of disease uh, condition weights, and anxiety about gun violence is the leading cause of disability-adjusted life years lost in the United States by a factor of about 1.5 over back pain. You know, it's, it's, if you look at medical, medical conditions, back pain, you know, orthopedic problems is the leading cause. But uh, our calculations, it's, it's about 50% higher. Okay, so the anxiety is there. Um, to have, you know, the conversations and thinking like with Anthony, you know, it's, you know, you may not, you may not want your kids to have sex ed classes, but they're going to learn about sex and probably from somebody who's two years older than they are or right, four. Right, if, right. If, if you, if it's your daughter and she's 16, she, he's, she's probably going to learn it from a 21 year old guy, you know, <laughs> who, you know really. And so if you live in a gun culture, you know, your kid's going to learn about guns. And, and it's probably going to be that a friend of theirs, you know, it's highly likely that a friend of theirs, maybe same age, maybe a year two older, maybe three years older, they're going to find a pistol and start playing with it and saying, hey, how does this work? You know, look down the barrel and pull the trigger to see if you can see the bullet coming out, you know. And and so it it's it. You know, we live in a gun culture, and so the the safest thing to do is educate the kids about how to deal with it. And one of the advice I'd give is, you know, somebody gets out a gun and you're over at somebody's house playing, call home, get a ride yeah. home. Yeah, leave. leave. Yeah, just <laughs> leave. Get the phone. Yeah. Get right, out. Right. Yeah. Get yeah, out. Clarence. You there, Clarence? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. This is great. This is a great conversation. I think that that um, you know when we talk about how do you change the so Clarence says wait let me let me say yeah. oh um the 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 Second Amendment guys have gotten us so scared at our place that we don't ask about gun safety on our health assessments. You know, it's it's just like, whoa, we can't do that. Somebody's going to yeah. say, oh, you're asking about gun safety because you want to take away our guns. And so we've got we've got to if we're going to have a conversation about gun safety, we need to stick stay away from the Second Amendment and, and make it clear. We're, we're not talking about taking away your guns. It's 
It's not, you know, you can have a gun. That's legal. It's not smart, um, uh, but it's legal. And But we're talking about how, how can children be safe in a gun culture? You know, it's interesting. Um, and I'm sure, Anthony and, and Tom, you can reflect on this. It was only, um, what, maybe a couple years ago now that uh, data from the Centers for Disease Control was allowed to be uh, analyzed yes. and 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 looked at in order to start assessing gun violence and then consequently gun safety, which you know is mind-boggling to me personally. I mean, it's just like what the heck here. But at least, at least now, we're starting to get the information out. Um, you know, like all the different research and the statistics, and maybe just that would be the kind of the, the common denominator of knowledge in order to get the conversations really going nationally, I think. Yeah, um, so let me jump in, Stan, um, about yeah. other other ways to make it safer besides conversation. The yeah. uh, thanks to the coalitions, uh, Minnesota now has a red flag law, which says that you can um, you can ask a judge to take somebody's firearm away if they are of a, a threat to themselves or others. We also have universal background checks, and we're going to be working toward getting guns out of the Capitol. You know, you can you can have a firearm in the Minnesota Capitol. What what what's the purpose of a gun during political discourse other than intimidation? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, there are other steps too besides conversation to to increase safety. And and one of them we're going to be working on is getting getting guns out of the Capitol. Good idea, Anthony. Last thoughts. Um, you know, I, I I'm just happy that I'm able to have some conversations like these because um I I can I couldn't even imagine myself having conversations like these um a few years ago. So um I'm just wow. thankful to this conversation this discussion um you know happy to meet people like you and tom and clarence along the way to help me um shape the person that i want to be and um i just hope that this uh can hope you no know, inspire other people to have conversations and, and, and to get involved and to start to volunteer and you know it's, it's it's a great thing for us to have on our minds especially now well i compliment you on 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 your efforts and um i i for i hope i'm speaking for the public that we appreciate your your insights, um, your storytelling, and your commitment to uh, to change. Tom, um, last thought. Yeah, for the Second Amendment people, um, they're more likely to be able to hang on to their guns if there is gun safety. Um, it just if, if the 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 lesser the threat their firearms are to the rest of the public, the more likely they're. They're going to be able to hang on to them, um, uh, so that that's a thought. Um, the other is, you know, the the idea of getting out, knowing your neighbors, engaging engaging socially um, to reduce fear, because we've we the the recent uh, political movements have been based on fear, and and uh, which is unfortunate, and uh, so uh, get out, um, meet people. Do things, volunteer, because we, we know that volunteering increases the well-being, your own well-being, and it increases the well-being of others. And I think that's the path to safety. 
Yeah. Clarence, thoughts? This has been a great conversation. I'm really glad. I, I do know that this won't be the ending conversation. I think we've just scratched the surface and uh, there's so many interesting things that we can talk about, lanes that we can go with this. And so thank you. So, you know, I'll tell you, this, it's a sad, it's sad that we have to talk about these types of things, but yet the fact that we are, um, hopefully will be wake up calls for a lot of people to increase their awareness, to increase their their safety thinking overall. And I compliment both you, Anthony and, and Tom, for your commitment to change. So thank you for, for being on Health Chatter. We hope that as more information comes comes your way, that you you understand that you can always be on Health Chatter podcast and make these podcasts available for communication purposes for the people that you you deal with so many many thanks to our listening audience we have we have great shows coming up we're going to be we're going to be looking at the new drugs that um that are coming out for for weight management and also a subject of pharmageddon the the idea of many many drugs and is this just normal fix-it-alls for for everything. So stay tuned on that. And in the meantime, everybody keep health chatting away. <laughs> <laughs>